Hi, I'm Lisa Kennedy and you're listening to The Bra and the Brave. This podcast celebrates the creative and the courageous. I am fascinated by those who are talented, forward-thinking and inquisitive. Sharing their stories, wisdom and everything in between, The Bra and the Brave is about people and their passions. So on to today's episode. Speaking directly to camera, I find it really difficult for that exact reason. You know, you're just like, oh my god. I did goodness. like yesterday. I, I literally was honest by the 14th attempt. I was like, guys, this is a 14th attempt. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not an actual. Because even with the podcast, like initially, I was trying to do like a really formal introduction. Mm-hmm. I'm just not great at the formal introduction. So, hence why I'm actually recording just now. Because we'll just go in there. Because <laughs> then, good. even trying to record something like on my own, I've tried it and it's just not. And it's for just me. not you. And also, I think you've just got to do your thing. That's exactly what I was going to say. I think sometimes, you know, you've just actually just got to trust your instinct. Totally. You know, sometimes people give you advice and so it's great when people give you advice. And sometimes it's helpful. And other times, actually, you just need to be strong and say, no, do you know what? I know this is the right thing to do and yes. this is the way it's meant to be. And, and is that what you've done in your business <laughs> I'm with Fida yeah that's right yeah. Blue yes, yeah. and I'm in oh my goodness I'm in guys I'm in the house of dreams <laughs> <laughs> have you just followed your instincts and listened to your gut when you were building your brand do you know I think I've done it more mm-hmm. the older I've got and the longer I've been doing the brand cool. and I think in the early days I have to say, I think in the early days, like I didn't have a lot of confidence, to be honest with you. Like when I set up, and I know that sounds wow. a crazy thing to say, because obviously it takes a lot of guts to set up a brand <laughs> and and do it. But I really didn't. You know, I'd okay. been working in a job that I found, um, well, it, I mean, it was an amazing job in a lot of ways. It was a real kind of baptism of fire and, um, you know, thrown into the industry at the deep end. But it really knocked my confidence a lot. Mm-hmm. And I honestly didn't have confidence in my designs and I wasn't sure if it was going to work. And, you know, my husband's actually got has a lot to play in the one that was really the one gently giving me, you know, the confidence, you know, believing in me to do it. And yeah, in those early days, I was absolutely racked with self-doubt. I'm so chuffed you said that because (laughs) I think a lot of people would be like, oh, she must be like totally on it all over it. Like super confident. So it was his encouragement then? I think he was the one I'd always wanted I think in my heart I'd always known I'd wanted to do my own thing. I think, I mean, really from a sort of really early age, I'd always had this kind of instinct that this was not... I didn't specifically know it was going to be Blue yes. Belgrade. Mm-hmm. But, but you think, to do your own thing. Yeah, I think, I think it's something to do with the fact that I really value freedom. Mm. And I always wanted that freedom that I felt would come with having my own business. Whether or not that's true or not, I don't know. But, <laughs> but I felt there would be an element yes. of freedom that would come with having my own business. And yeah, he was definitely the one... You know, he knew that was my my dream and what I wanted to do and I think he also just gave me that kind of support and having somebody that believes in you it just makes the world it's of difference worth it, sweet and gold. It, it really, really is. is it really is and he was the one at that time we were living in a flat in the west end of Glasgow I mean I had a spare room and he was just like like take the spare room like that's your studio just mm-hmm. use it and even just that simple thing of having a space, a space. you know where I could then actually create mm-hmm. and do and yeah he was such a big part and kind of giving me that confidence and also it was a money thing as well you know I don't come from money and uh, you know I didn't have money you know and um, setting up your own business is hard you know Mm -hmm. when you don't have money behind you it's really really difficult you can't really create from nothing exactly you You need tools like for what you do definitely and you know we've all got to sort of you know pay our rent or mortgages and our bills yeah it's it's real you know it's real (laughs) life and um he was amazing he was basically like you know I'll pay the mortgage you concentrate oh, on this. He is. Him. He's a darling, he? honestly. He is. But he obviously had total faith in you. Like, yeah. yeah, you can do this. Yeah, he like, did. Your, your designs are good enough. Yeah. I think you had more faith than, Great. <laughs> than I did. And, and sometimes you yeah. just need that cheerleader. Definitely. Like, my mum and dad have always been that for me. Like, uh-huh. they think I can do more. And I'm like, oh, guys, I don't think I can do that. <laughs> and they're like, oh, you can do anything. And, you know, within reason, obviously, you don't want somebody totally throwing you in. Yeah, yeah like, exactly. Like, oh, just shut your eyes up. We're fine. <laughs> you know, I was speaking to somebody yesterday at a car park, a teacher who was keen to kind of branch out and do something a bit different and I was like I totally do it and she was like do you know I will and I, and I, went to her, I was like god like I've just told her to go I'm like I'm not, don't quit your job yeah. <laughs> maybe just like do like uh, the weekends yeah. or whatever and you know and she messaged me that was so cool that we had that conversation I was yeah. like but I sometimes you just need somebody to go you do you can totally do that definitely I think it makes such a difference doesn't mean that it's going to be easy I know I know exactly it does I think there's sometimes just having a conversation with somebody uh-huh. can just you, you never know where it can go as well yeah, and, yeah so. so take us back to the beginnings not of Bluebell Grey just yet but 
were you an artist as a child? Yeah. <laughs> Did you always have a pen in your hand? Definitely. I right. really I really was. I actually I come from a really creative family. Cool. And it's actually well my family kind of like half of us are really creative and artistic uh-huh. and then the other half are really medical so there's oh. a lot of doctors in my family as well wow, right. I always knew that I didn't want to you know go down that route uh-huh. that was always quite a strong instinct that I knew I didn't want to go down that route and my mum and dad's house is gorgeous it looked out onto you know a loch and hills and it was a beautiful view you know you don't appreciate it when you're growing up you no. just think this is completely normal. normal and it's only when you move to a city you're like oh yeah that was that was quite special that was quite idyllic, <laughs> that was quite idyllic yeah <laughs> And my mum is really, um, she's got an amazing sense of style and she's really creative as well. You know, she she has, the house is full of, you know, colour and she loved sort of beautiful objects and things and wow. art. And then on my dad's side, there was um, artists on that side as well. So it was definitely something that was kind of, you know, running through the family. Mm. And I do always remember, I, I've got quite a distinct memory of when I suddenly realised I could draw, which sounds like a weird okay. thing to say, but I was in primary three. And I'd drawn a donkey. I didn't think anything of it. And I remember the teacher like holding up this donkey to the class and going, look at this donkey. And I'm thinking, oh, mm, oh, donkey. that is a donkey. I did that. And it was the first time. To be time... when we people draw things like, you know, like, oh, that's lovely. What? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that going on with my kids at the moment. I love Instantly it. this day, if I draw something, you'd be quite <laughs> as to what it was. <laughs> I love kids' drawings. They're one of my favourite things in the whole world. Yeah. But yeah, it was a really, it was a kind of a moment. And it was like the fact that somebody else had acknowledged and yes. like looked at this. And it, I, I don't know why, I just always remember it and thinking that I went, oh, I can I can I draw, can draw yeah, and so I've always like I always loved making and drawing, mm. and my mum and dad really you know encouraged it. And when I was in school, I suppose the only thing is where I grew up. I grew up in the Highlands, so it was also you know the days before the internet. I, I think the thing that was I suppose different about growing up there in comparison to growing up to a city, you know, we didn't have access to art galleries mm. and things. So that kind of world, I didn't really have access to or really understand you know obviously we had certain books and you would you know learn things in school and we had an amazing art teacher when I was in primary school and you know I would just be so desperate for her to come and I just looked forward to it so much and you know it's the same when I was in high school as well like I really loved making and drawing and you just find your flow sometimes in high school like what department you're going to live in like I lived in the music department yeah definitely just always lived in it yeah you just kind of like find your home there Uh but it was um I think the thing that was interesting I suppose about my, you know, the schools. I, I mean, back then, you know, the internet wasn't a thing. There was no interest in uh, Instagram. There was Can no Pinterest. I know there was Can nothing. <laughs> so you're kind of obviously quite influenced by your your teachers and the art teachers I had were very kind of like fine art focused. And I genuinely back then didn't even really know that textile design was a thing. I mean, I kind of vaguely knew. Of course, yeah. you sort of know these yeah. things. You know, my mum had like Liberty printed wallpaper and things, so I kind of knew it in that cool. sense. Yeah, but. I didn't understand it in the no. same way that I understand it now. So I was really kind of like more influenced by that kind of fine art mm-hmm. kind of, so it was kind of like, oh, you know, you can draw therefore you should do portraits and that's what you should do. And um, yeah, so then I ended up kind of, I had a little bit of a kind of like, when I was going to art school, you know, oh, should I really be doing this? And should I be going and doing something more academic and more suitable? You know, yeah. I had those kind of, you know, worries that I'm sure totally. lots of young people it's have. It's so hard to know so what you want to do. I feel so sorry for these kids. And you're like, oh my goodness, they're 17, 18. And you're meant to know what mm-hmm. you want to do for the rest of your life. Like, that's And it is going to put to, like, you know, you're making choices yeah. for the rest of your life. Exactly. Oh, I, know. I know, exactly. It's like, if you don't make the right choice in second year of high school, that's you for the rest of your life. You're doing the wrong path. Exactly. You know, it's yeah. so difficult. Yeah. So I think things are obviously getting better now. I work yeah. in high school and I see the opportunities mm-hmm. and the paths that people are taking mm-hmm. and, and they're not all academic as such yes. but I think if you are academic it's sometimes assumed that, that was exactly it yeah. yeah and I definitely had I mean there was definitely quite a few outside influences that were basically saying to me you know yeah you're academic so like you know don't waste your life by going to art school you know and you're like thanks <laughs> don't be a behemoth yeah. I mean what are you going to do and, you know how are you going to make a living and, I know really you know there was a lot of that and uh, one of the things I did do when I was in school and this was more I suppose just in a kind of like desperation just to kind of like understand a bit more of the world and just to see more about art was I took myself off to Florence when I was 17. I'd seen wow. an advert like in a newspaper for this, I can't even remember what it was, but it was something in Florence where you could do, you could learn to draw like the old masters. And I'd never been in a plane. <laughs> I can't believe my mum and dad even so. let me do it, honestly. <laughs> but they did, you know, and I took myself off to Florence and managed to somehow navigate myself to Florence like 
in the dark that you. night. It was crazy. When I think back now, I think, oh my goodness, my kids wanted to do that. Than you think. I know, maybe. I think I probably was <laughs> braver than I thought. And um, yeah, and it was actually it was amazing. I'd never been, I'd never been somewhere like that. Mm. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're trailing around all these art galleries and exposed to all this incredible painting and even just like the culture and the food and you meet lovely people and it was you know it was it was amazing it was only a month but wow it really opened my eyes to the world and you just have kept that with you your whole life probably you refer back to even without even realizing it definitely definitely it was it really was and I think that definitely was one of the kind of defining points where I thought no actually I really do want to go to art school Mm. like my instinct was definitely to go to art school and yeah that was quite a big a big thing. I can't believe I did it now, honestly. My poor mum as well. There was I got the bus and there was like a really nice guy on the bus and he'd kinda like helped me when I got to the train station in Florence, mm. the bus from the airport to Florence. And he kinda put me in a taxi to the street where I was meant to be uh, meeting the owner of the flat that I was staying in you know and again no mobile phones like I did not have mobile and I got there and this is pitch black and it's now about half past 11 at night and there's nobody there and I'm on this like back street of Florence and I'm knocking in the store and I'm knocking and nobody's answering and then all I I just literally just sat down in the curb and just cried (laughs) I was like I don't know what to do and then by some kind of miracle because this was like a really kind of like back street this lovely old couple came walking along the street. My mum always thinks they're some kind of guardian angels. And the woman could speak English because she'd worked in the UK like years and years ago and they said, you know, are you okay? And I explained the problem Mm -hmm. and I had the phone number of the person. So the husband went off to another street, phoned (laughs) from a phone box and the guy came around and let me into the flat and I just think, what if they hadn't come along? You know, I would have had to like sleep on the street on. I know, I'd be sitting there crying. (laughs) So yeah, my mum's always really grateful to that couple. I've just spotted a cat. <laughs> I let him oh in? my goodness. <laughs> like, oh, oh my. What? You are beautiful. Oh, look. Very friendly. He loves a cuddle as well, so if you want to pick him up. Oh, this is like podcast dreams, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, beautiful. Thank you for joining us. He's a wee darling. He's like, he's like an off. Yeah. <laughs> Not up for this. Oh, he's such He'll a come back. Cat, oh, he, he is. Yeah, yeah. He oh, really is. Oh, he's, cool. he's amazing. He's a great cat. <laughs> so at 17, going to, Dan, oh, uh, going to Florence, I think, I is oh. pretty impressive. Oh, my goodness. I still can't believe I did it, to be so honest. So that was just you. before you went to study day. Yeah, that was before I went. So that was probably, I think I was kind of maybe in between my like fifth and sixth year of school cool. when I did that. So you were like pure living it up in Malia. You were going to Florence. <laughs> You were doing like manga. <laughs> You're so on brand, so on brand. You had your eye in the prize. You just didn't know it. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so did you apply to various places, or mm. did you know where you wanted to study? No, yeah, no. I applied. I, I only actually applied to the Scottish art schools. I think mm. I knew that I wanted to stay here. So there was a lot of my friends that were coming down here. So there was a kind of sense of security in that yes. as well. That, and my sister was already studying here. Cool. And so there was, I had a bit of a network, I suppose. Nice. So that was a good thing. Nice. And um, I studied at Glasgow School of Art. And actually, I initially, I studied painting. Mm-hmm. So I went into fine art. And again, kind of, I suppose, because that's kind of what my teachers had kind of encouraged me into. And um, the first year was kind of like fine. And then the second year was really not fine. Like okay. it was really, really hard. The first day, I remember turning up in second year and there was just this like list on the wall of studio spaces. You had to go and find it and you were just met with a blank wall. And from that point, <clears throat> we were basically just meant to be completely self-led study. And I'm like 18, 19. What? Like I had no idea, you know, of, of, of myself. And like, I didn't know, I didn't know enough. I didn't know myself enough to explain why I was painting what yeah. I was painting. And mm. <clears throat> also I've always loved colour. So, you know. I'm painting big abstract canvases, you know, like with pink and turquoise, and the teachers were just like, no, no, just no. (laughs) What do you want me to do? Yeah. told me. And it was, I think it was, it was at quite a specific period of time when it sounds crazy, but painting was just not in fashion. Right, okay. And actually, you know, painting just wasn't really the done thing. And, you know, now with Instagram and Pinterest, like that world of colour and craft and all these things has really been opened up Mm -hmm. and people are so much more open to it you know this was like I went to art school in 1999 you know early 2000s this is you know it's a long time ago now and it just wasn't the done thing and I couldn't explain to these tutors you know 
in the words that they wanted yeah. why I'm making a one and a half meter square canvas and I filled it with pink and turquoise abstract shapes. Like I just couldn't, I couldn't. That's just what I'm doing. That's yeah. what I want to do. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, I was just, I suppose, just too but young and. Not- right and wrong in the art yeah that's creating yeah that's what you have to do and to refine your style yeah surely and i was also the aesthetics of paintings have always really appealed to me you know Mm. i love aesthetically beautiful colors and marks and that was something as well that i had a bit of a battle with them about you know almost like that was somehow wrong to actually like the aesthetics of painting so it was really tough you know and it was quite jarring as a young person yeah. trying to find your way it was it was and you know especially i think being a young woman as well i think that was even harder and a lot of my friends from that class you know we all had the same mm-hmm. we all had the same struggles and um, i ended up really not doing very well and taking like a year out and at this point i'm like red alert with my mum and dad they're like oh my goodness you know what's she doing <laughs> And um, you know they're like, she's going off the rails. Um, but you know, I'd I actually I think just really needed some time, you know. And what I'd really wanted to do when I left school was kind of actually you know spend a bit more time like traveling, just seeing about the world. You know, I'd come from this really sheltered Highland town, totally. I'd never seen the world, and yeah. so I ended up taking here and I went to work in France just for like a holiday company, nothing okay. kind of you know creative. Mm. But funnily enough, my best friend who I met when I went to art school, met on the first day, and we were in halls together. Her name is Kate, and she was studying textiles. And I'd be seeing what she'd be coming home with, and it was, like, amazing. You know, it was, like, colour and pattern. And, you know, I loved, like, she was such a huge influence on me because the other thing about Kate was she really was so sure of herself and her style and, you know, her and her creativity, you know, and I, I was so kind of in awe that somebody could know themselves that mm. well and their creative kind of outlets and I like love you feel you're kind of bumbling about yeah going, what am I doing yeah it totally again Jara when you're like yeah how do you know yeah. like tell me your secret yeah <laughs> how do you know what you want to do yeah and I just loved you know I loved seeing what she was making and what her class were making and then she would sneak me into like the print room and would be like yes. you know printing flowers and pink flowers and things and and I loved it you know uh-huh. like I got a real sense of love from it so what I ended up doing was um transferring from painting into textiles and over there like it was definitely a slightly more nurturing environment Mm -hmm. you know and it was more project-led so you're actually getting taught you know how to think as a designer how to work through projects and the other thing that was really good about that department for me was they really valued drawing and painting like that was really at the core of you know what they thought was important so that was a really great thing you, you know found your people. yeah definitely <laughs> felt like I found my people and you know I was excited by it you oh. know it was exciting and um I mean don't get me wrong it was also a tough you know course yeah, I think course, I think yeah. you know it's a tough art school and but it was it was great and that's where I found my love of printing because mm. for me the thing about printing that I loved so much was it was such a direct translation from the drawing and painting so I was like yeah this is this makes perfect sense to me <laughs> you know I tried you know weaving and I just was like, I just, I couldn't, like it just, my brain didn't compute that okay. way. I tried knitting and I wish I could knit. Oh my goodness, do I wish I could knit because I love knit word design so much. But honestly, I'm not a knitter. No, no. <laughs> I wish I could do it. Actually, my granny and my auntie are amazing knitters. Uh-huh. My granny used to hand sew and hand knit all four of her children's clothes. And I'm like, Goodness. I did not get that gene. That one, that one passed me by. To be fair, I don't think you feel yeah. shocked. <laughs> Looking around your beauty house and seeing everything that I know is going on, like, I think you're doing all right. Oh, yeah. So when you were at art school and you'd found your people and you were like, right, okay, I'm in my flow now, were you thinking at that point, one day I'll have my own brand? I think what I was desperate for at art school was to understand how I could turn it into making a living mm-hmm. because that's there's definitely this kind of vibe that runs through I mean whether or not it still does but in my day definitely you know there was a sort of there was an anxiety I think that ran through all of us that people always say well, how are you going to make a living what kind of job are you going to get you know <laughs> yeah and it was you know there's definitely an anxiety that just runs through everybody thinking oh my goodness like I love this so much can I make a living mm. out of it am I going to be able to make it work so I remember when I was at art school almost like having this kind of not desperation that's the wrong kind of word but really intense uh, I wanted to try and find out how I could make it commercial enough to make a, a living and I was desperate to understand you know how I could make it work mm. and that was one thing that I think was a wee bit difficult at art school because you didn't really get well you got taught no business skills you know there okay. was there was there was none of none of that then and yeah so that was definitely a bit 
tricky and I wanted just to teach myself just like these basic skills of you know like how do you commercially put a pattern into repeat and things Mm. like that it was definitely something that I knew I kind of almost needed to teach myself more than they were teaching me at art school as well so it was definitely about trying to sort of you know read books and I was so desperate to kind of just understand the industry and see more and how did people do things and I was just desperate for more knowledge because it's quite a closed industry Mm. you know and it's quite a kind of an industry where it's kind of difficult really you know to get into and and there was just, I just had so many questions you know about just how it all worked and, and like close the doors like well done you've graduated yeah what, what do next? I do <laughs> exactly <Help>. exactly <laughs> but yeah I guess going from art school into the big bad world is quite scary yeah it is it's really scary and I think I think a lot of people felt that fear mm. and what you do with what we did at the end of um our textile degree was there's a big show down in London called New Designers and that's where a lot of the kind of design graduates go and show and then you get people from the industry coming around the show and um, you know looking at your work and maybe some people get offered you know jobs or people want to buy things so that was actually a really kind of good thing to do and there was various things that came out of that and um, I almost ended up moving down to London for a job but just didn't quite get the job in the end and did a bit of kind of like freelance and things and um yeah, it's 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 quite a that moment. I definitely felt quite lost as well when I came out mm. of art school, and um, I worked all the way through art school. I had a part time job in Lush, the, the soap shop. Did you know? Yeah, yeah. that's cool. yeah. It was cool. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I really did. I worked at McDonald's. So I didn't smell <laughs> quite as good as you would have. I know the smell was amazing. Honestly, you'd be on the bus on the way home, and people around you would say, "I can smell Lush." And you'd think, "Oh my goodness, that's oh. me." Yeah, but it was great. I mean, I worked all the way kind of um, from school around about from the age of 15 you know I always had jobs I worked in a tourist office worked in a cafe and you know waitressing and worked in a restaurant and then worked in Lush all the way through art yeah. school and I kind of like went back there a bit part time as well when I graduated again just trying to sort of you know find my feet a little mm. bit and just kind of work that, out I guess that's important like some people yeah. have had part time jobs and will not be have been in the working yeah. world at all I think so it's just so important. It's totally like invaluable. Do you know what yeah, I, mean? I really, really think that. And a lot of the time, I get um, you know young designers or students asking me, you know, what advice would I give? And one of my biggest pieces of advice is always really value these part-time jobs. Mm-hmm. They're so important. You yeah. learn so much. I mean, the retail experience I gained from working there for all those years has been fundamental in uh-huh. the shop that I now have. And yes. you know also just having to deal with customers and the job I had to know the situations you're thrown in yeah. sometimes you're like this is bizarre yeah totally <laughs> absolutely and you know, yeah. I think they're all really really valuable yes, and I think sometimes so. people kind of like are a wee bit dismissive of them and I'm the opposite I think no they are so valuable yeah. my first ever job was working in the tourist office in Fort William when I was 15 yeah, <laughs> and it was honestly and it, you know you just you there's two different things you could be on the accommodation desk or you could okay. be in the kind of like general questions and I'm mm-hmm. talking like you would stand at this desk and you could get asked anything like you could not make up but some people <laughs> came into that office and asked you like the most random things we actually had a book where we would write down some of the funniest things I wish exactly. I could I wish That's I could remember most of them were I know that. honestly like some really really crazy like, am I being filmed for like a yeah MTV honestly <laughs> there were some questions that were really like that and you know you're looking at them thinking are you joking oh no oh, you're no, not no. you're being serious okay right think about that as well so you're getting people from all over the world mm, like every course. country you can imagine we're coming into that tourist office and asking you questions and honestly it was, I was like 15 years but you know it was fun it was really fun and it was that, that totally sets you up it does stuff. it like, does yeah you know, and without even knowing it there'll mm-hmm. be things that you've learned along the way yeah. that you still use to this day absolutely you really, you really really do so you after so the much. design shows and after so I ended working up working in Lush yeah I ended up getting a job in Glasgow right. and it was quite a kind of it was quite a tough job and you know it was a real kind of baptism of fire and there was nobody kind of doing the job before I was doing it so I went in and kind of like had to start almost like from scratch and um it was it was really you know it was it was good in so many ways and it was sort of quite tough in a lot of ways but I also just kind of felt in a lot of ways like it did kind of really knock my confidence mm. quite a lot and that's when I was like really at the point of saying you know no actually I just really need to go and do my own my own thing and that's where the kind of blue ball grey thing kind of came about and started wow. and so where did the name come from oh, i know it's a question do you get that all the time that? i know I've told that a million times. <laughs> and i do sometimes think oh people must be so bored of no <laughs> it's about where did the name come from. <laughs> um but i always knew 
that I didn't want to use my own name. I okay. always just felt my own name was a little bit kind of um, boring. Sorry, mum. She gets a bit of things when I say that. Sorry, mum. Um, but I always knew that I didn't want to kind of use my own name. And also I'd read this kind of almost like sometimes horror stories of people that have maybe lost their own name, you know, like if they've put their name to a business and then... Uh, you know, right, okay. they've ended up having to like sell, sell the business it. or whatever I happens. And I don't know, I just this little niggling thing in my head, think, thinking, oh, my name is my own, mm-hmm. you know, and I just kind of wanted to yeah. keep my name for myself. So, yes, I basically always loved the flowers. Bluebells. I was, it was truly, I remember sitting around the table with my family trying to come up with this name, and it was truly the first name that mm-hmm. came into my head. Cool. And, and I just always stuck with it. I didn't actually even toy with any other names. And it kind of referred to bluebells being a flower that I really adore. And, you know, there's, you know, in Scotland, they're really quite significant in the springtime. And I remember when I was doing the job that I wasn't very happy in and I was driving on the motorway, you know, out and and I'd see these bluebells blooming by the side of the road and they were just giving this little kind of like lift in my spirits. (laughs) And then the name grey is really to do with the fact that I love kind of grey coloured linen cloth and linen is really important to, Mm. you know, my, my brand and what I do. So it was just kind of combining the two of them. And yeah, that's where it came that's from. Nice. You just went with your instinct and you were like, that's Very me. much, yeah. And it was really, it was bizarre. Like it was literally, I don't know where it, it popped into my head and no other names came out. That was it. And in the early days when I did quite a few of these shows where I'd be like selling direct to consumer, there was quite a lot of people that obviously thought my name was Bluebell. And they'd say, say oh, wow, you're so lucky to have a name that goes with your brand so much. <laughs> And no one you're like thinking, oh, don't I don't them. have the heart to tell them that actually, you know, some people obviously you tell them and other people are like, oh, it's maybe just a bit too complicated to explain to you that that's not actually my name. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> I think a lot of people thought if I had a little girl, actually, that I might call her Bluebell, but it, was, it wasn't actually ever on the, the name no, list for a little girl. No. So you were, you started off in the spare room? Yeah, yeah, really just started off in the spare room. I mean, the great thing, what I loved about it was that it was a space, you know, mm. and actually that was just amazing. Like having somewhere where I could paint it wasn't a big room you know it was quite a small room and I was totally just working by myself and the funny thing is as well as like I had two cats at that stage and I'd have to paint on the floor or on the kitchen table because there wasn't really enough you know I didn't have a big desk and like that so it's either the floor or the kitchen table and quite often the cats would come walking across painting and if you look back in my painting archive now you can see the footprints of my cats on some of the, yeah, on some of the so paintings. Cool. <laughs> and I always remember saying to one of my best friends, she doesn't live in, she didn't live in Glasgow then, she'd moved away from Glasgow and we were chatting and she was saying, oh, and how are things going? I was saying, oh, great, you know, it's just me, Peggy and Betty. And she was saying, oh, that's brilliant, you've got two employees. And I was saying, no, just me and my cats. <laughs> I know it's funny sometimes I feel like it's been a really short period of time and then other times I feel like oh my goodness it's been so long uh-huh. but actually yeah it does more feel short mm. like it does feel like it was yesterday that I started it and had were your designs what you would now see like classic bluebell grey at that point yeah i would say so and you know funnily enough actually i was just cleaning out the garage with my husband the other day and i found this box of all my old art school stuff and i'm looking through it and i'm like it was so in there like oh yeah it was all watercolor florals and the colors were in there and And your designs Beautiful, oh, yeah, like you. the epitome of beautiful. <laughs> really like good. I'm just looking at her appliances here, and like everything in this house, like it's just perfectly curated. Oh. But the color, like the use of color, I love it color. Just makes you feel happy oh, looking at it. That's really lovely because I mean it was genuinely like when I when I started out, that was really what I was wanting mm. to do. And you know, it sounds a bit corny, but it really was. You know, when you grow up in Scotland and there's a lot of dark winters, and I'm a real summer girl. You know, and I kind of almost did it as a bit of an antidote to these kind of long dark winters, like really feeling that I wanted to give people this kind of colour inside their home all year round. And it was, I mean, I definitely have always designed things I wanted people to get happiness mm. from. Like they, I really, that's been such a big part and it's still a huge part. Like okay. I want people to feel that happiness and I love it. See, when I get a customer and they email or I meet them and they say, you know, that the designs bring them joy and the products bring them joy I cannot tell you how happy that makes me it's just like yeah this is worth it you know yeah, all I guess the hard at work at stage people maybe just think like oh it's just like a brand yes exactly yeah, like, no, no, yeah. No, no, this was me yeah it must be a room yeah 
I'm still there. Yeah, yeah. So your appreciation. Yeah, absolutely. And the thought process and all the hard work that mm. still goes into it. Absolutely. These things don't just tick along no. themselves. Like, you'll still be working as hard. Oh, yeah. No absolutely. And obviously, you know, you've got a family. Yeah. And you've got more responsibilities in yeah. terms of having a shop. Yeah. And you're selling all over the world. Yeah. I mean, like, so it's not getting easier. No. <laughs> no, it's definitely. <laughs> it's not. It's not getting easier. In some ways, though, what I would say is easier now is just being... Um, more sure of the brand Mm -hmm. and there's a kind of confidence I think that comes with having done it 10 years now Mm -hmm. there were so many times in the early days you know people were so up for offering me advice all the time and it's not that I'm ungrateful for advice I think there are some people and I have been so grateful for their Mm -hmm. advice and I've had some amazing advice over the years but the difficulty is when you're getting advice from every corner because everybody just views you basically as this young girl who doesn't know what she's doing and they must tell you the best way to do things and you're trying to like filter you know this advice and trying to find out you know what should I be listening to and what shouldn't I be listening to and Mm -hmm. actually what I found in the early days it's almost like a real kind of state of confusion because people are trying to say, oh no, this is what you should do. And then somebody else would be saying, no, this is where you should mm. take the brand. And then somebody else would be saying, no, this is what you should do, but I don't like that leaf. Can you just change it? And actually wow. a lot of that was actually what gave me, you know, a real lack of confidence. And I wasn't so sure in those early days of of, of where I should be taking the brand you know mm. it was really difficult people saying to me if you did this you could make so much money and I'm going oh I don't know if that's really why I want to do this I just love textiles and I, you know uh-huh. I've not ever been really motivated by trying to make millions of pounds no. out of it and I still you know it's still not my motivation no. behind it and that was definitely quite a difficult thing in the early days of you know trying to navigate your way through in this early days yeah, of it's hard of, to know and yeah. like you're saying the advice people give is because of their experience but yes. like, that's unique to you yes and your situation where you were at the time yeah. when that was the decision yeah. made and it worked out yeah. inverted commas yeah but like there's no right way of doing something yeah you know it's what's right for you exactly and I think what sometimes that made me do as well was almost like it made me question my judgment a lot you know at every stage and you know in the first couple of years like I actually really struggled you know mm. I remember being on the phone to my best friend Kate the one I was talking about yes. earlier and just saying oh my goodness I just don't know if I can if I can do this like you know I just don't know the right thing to be doing and I was struggling as well because in the early days there was such momentum behind the brand because of the press and things that we mm-hmm. gained in those early days so many kind of opportunities were getting um, put in front of me and I was really struggling to know what are the right ones to take yeah. And you don't want to expose yeah. yourself or be exploited. Or, exactly, yeah. huge amounts of things like yeah, that. Yeah, and it's your, it's your baby. It's my baby, and you care absolutely. And, you know, and you're like, yeah. oh, I'm just putting this out for anybody yeah. to hold it just because exactly. they think it's cool yeah. right now. I think the thing that I really struggled with as well sometimes is a lot of the opportunities that were coming to me. Like, I literally didn't have the capacity as well. You know, initially it was just me, and then after about a year, I took on Carrie, who's still with me actually. Yes. She's one of my longtime employees and has been just such a huge part of the brand and I was just so desperate to be able to capitalize on some of this but I just truly didn't have you know the the sort of Mm. the ability you know and I I mean that like I didn't have the ability to do a lot of the things that kind of came my way I just didn't have the time you know I was working so much you know you truly when you do something like that you're doing absolutely everything everything everything. and then you're still learning so much as well you know I was I mean when I started out I didn't even understand you know how I could get an account to send out lots of parcels to people and mm-hmm. you know just simple things like that I just didn't know how yeah. how that all worked they so yeah no they really don't like and I was that's what I was just like I was so desperate I wished at that stage I was so desperate to have somebody that I could have turned to and said how do you work out sending things with parcel force because I just don't know <laughs> yeah and I just had to honestly just fly by the seat of my pants right. and just work it out and just like google things and what I did have you know within all this so that I was so lucky was I had my husband mm-hmm. and he's a numbers man and cool. I'm not oh my goodness I'm so not it's just not my bag yeah I'm putting my hands up and admitting that so to have you know his support on that yeah. side was actually really amazing and he would sort of you know help me out on that side of things so that was like a that was a yeah proper team yeah definitely like a proper team Mm -hmm. he doesn't work for the brand no so it was an evening and weekend thing for him and honestly you know you're not at your work but yeah can you just you know i know and honestly poor phil he's he's very uh he's so he's just so amazing and he's so laid back i mean the time he came home and i had honestly i reckon about like 40 boxes of product sitting in our living room Mm -hmm. 
difficult to get to the sofa and he just was like oh okay (laughs) (laughs) so yeah yeah it was um, and did you start with like a couple of items initially and then obviously it's growing into oh my goodness yeah what do you not do i know it's grown arms and legs she does everything (laughs) i I started out with six cushions Uh and and i mean six like I don't mean six designs. I mean there were six individual designs. I mean mm-hmm. I had six physical cushions. Yeah. <laughs> like that's what I had. And the great thing about um, the product that I was making, and actually the real reason why I was able to start out the business, because I use a printing method called digital printing. Okay. And it's kind of um, I suppose now it's not relatively new technology, but when I was in art school, it was relatively new technology. And uh-huh. and actually Glasgow School of Art had this digital printing bureau that I'd been using when I was mm. in um, sort of art school and like tinkering around with it and kind of trying to understand how I could translate my drawings and paintings into it. So I'd been starting to use it when I was at art school and when I had wanted to do Bluebell Grey I basically knew that actually they were a really safe place to go to start with. They would let me do really short runs and because of the way it worked you basically only pay by the meter because like in traditional printing and traditional sort of textiles you're having to go to big fabric mills Mm -hmm. and they're going to make you print 300 meters of cloth now i did not have the money to print 300 meters of cloth like nowhere near it (laughs) (laughs) so i knew that wasn't even an option also a big mill like that would never have taken me seriously you know they would never have even allowed me to print with them and the other difficulty about traditional printing is there's huge setup costs to start with so my designs are really colorful and what that means is like if i did it traditionally i'd have to have layers of color and print and how can I describe this? Like each layer that you do, you need to almost like pay a setup fee. So say I needed 11 colours in my print. Right. I would have had to pay, you know, three, four hundred pounds for each layer just what? to set up this print right. and oh then print goodness. it. So that's kind of like how traditional printing works. Right. But digital printing, the beauty is you can print a metre. So I basically printed, you know, like two metres yeah. <laughs> of cloth. And then, you know, I had product basically. So cool. And... Um, there was a there's a lovely mill who I still use who are based in Scotland and I always remember he was actually a, a big part of the starting as well because I needed a cloth to back the cushions with you know to put mm-hmm. on like the reverse side because you know digital printing is really expensive so I couldn't double yes. double side it so mm-hmm. I had to have another cloth in the back to make the kind of price point work and this lovely guy that has this mill in Scotland you know I basically sort of spoke to him and I was like you know I just need one roll of cloth is that okay just one roll and he was like of course I was thinking you know this guy's never going to sell me one roll of cloth and he's just going to dismiss me and he was being he's, he was amazing and he was that like of course so you can cool. have one roll of cloth and see that somebody yeah. like that so somebody opening the gate that's it <laughs> exactly like, thank, you. thank you thank you so much <laughs> let me end yeah and you know what we still work with him brilliant and we've just developed a range of like plain colour lens with him and amazing. he is an absolute darling and See, if you're just nice, yeah, then it goes people so will far. be loyal like yeah. you have to him. Absolutely. You know what I mean? yeah. like, he obviously give you an opportunity. And it meant so much, you know, because again, I feel like, I mean, I was, when did I set up the business? I mean, 10 years ago, so I was 28 and 38 now. You know, there was definitely, you know, when you're a young girl, like people don't take you that mm-hmm. seriously. You know, there's definitely an element of you're just kind of like playing around. And, you know, so for somebody to sort of like take me seriously, and I was like, oh, thank you. Uh-huh. And then I had to find somebody to sew the cushions for me as well because I couldn't sew mm-hmm. cushions. And then I had to find somebody that would supply me the inserts for the cushions. And Goodness. you're trying to sort of like source all these different bits and pieces. And then I took these six cushions. And what I did have at that time as well is I'd done this big wall hanging. That was like cool. one of my big first pieces was like this huge, big, um, like two meter long wall hanging of like meadow flowers all growing up. And I took it down to a show in London. Mm-hmm. And I remember just thinking, in this sh- when I went to the show I just remember thinking that's it you know like the business is going to start then and I had this it was like kind of like yeah almost like deadline in my head and it was just like yeah you know I'm gonna go watch the show and then that's it we're turning on the website and like it's on <laughs> and um yeah and again you know like my husband paid for my train ticket I stayed with a friend when I was down in London you know couldn't afford to stay in a hotel yeah. or something like that and that show was actually quite a big turning point for me because I went down there thinking oh my goodness you know like I don't know what people are going to think mm. and you know I'd, I'd done this kind of like little uh, PR sort of lesson thing beforehand before doing that show and I remember this PR woman and she sort of said to me oh I think these would be really good for Lady Magazine and I was like okay I mean Lady Magazine is great and all that but that's not really where I'm aiming yeah. at you know like and I, and, and I 
totally knocked my confidence out. I couldn't understand like why she had thought that would be my target Uh audience when I was like no no I'm Uh I'm going for the interior magazines here like and and really again you know like I'm I'm somebody can just say something and you just they stick in your head it makes you make decisions really it did or or nearly make decisions based on that yeah it made me really sort of like panic because at that point I was already panicked I hadn't really shown any of the designs I didn't Mm. know how people were going to react to them and then she's saying that and I'm thinking like oh my goodness I've got this all wrong you know and I was like because oh, one person yeah <laughs> but then that's that people dishing out advice yes you know, you it's a good like, example actually uh-huh. of you know bad advice I put together again this is pre-Instagram so like the only way to get yourself out there was to put press releases so I wrote these press releases myself and I got all my images I'd had a photographer friend take from me it was, it was all like favours you know yeah. favours from everybody it was a favour from my website it was like everything was a favour and I put this like CD together to add these images in this press release that I'd written myself and as part of the show you could leave your press releases in this press office and the show was you know great and actually sold quite a few things it was all really good and then when I got back I basically um, got a call from one of the journalists at L Decoration and he'd picked it up I was honestly in a state of like disbelief like I, especially after what that PR lady had said to mm. me and I was like and I've always been so grateful to that journalist because what Elle are so amazing at is basically taking that risk on these unknown designers, you know, so they're so fantastic about finding these people that are doing something mm-hmm. different and unusual. And it was such a turning point. So one of my images got featured in the magazine and from there I started getting stockists inquiries. So I had Liberty, which was, yeah. I know that was amazing. <laughs> So cool. Yeah, that was a really, really nice one. That was really, there must really be so many good. Pinch me moments. There was, and those two will forever go down as like massive pinch me moments. Right. You know, from the total lack of confidence, how are people going to perceive this? To being featured in a decoration and Liberty saying they want to stalk it. Like I was in a complete state of disbelief. Like me? Yeah, I was like, are you sure? Are you sure you're talking about me here? So I mean, yeah. I mean, the designs speak for themselves. But like when you've just made something, you're like, I've just made this. I enjoyed made making it. You don't always look at it going, this is the best No, thing. no. It's so beautiful. No, like, not at all. You're just like, this is what I was, creatively, this yeah. is just what I produced. It's more about the process as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So then, and you're caught up in the like, love of that I, of that making and that's that's what you kind of pour into it. Uh-huh. And You're not necessarily like, is this commercially viable? I mean, and now you obviously, 10 years down the line, you know what works. Yeah. Inverted commas. Yeah. But I guess it must be quite hard to marry expectations of others definitely sell yeah it's a business yeah got a house you've got to make money like you've got kids I think that's actually one of the kind of struggles that has kind of come out further down the line of the business is the expectation that people have of what they think the brand is and you basically get caught in this kind of like no man's land of people want you to do something new but they want and different but they also want something the same and you're like okay so you want something new and different yet the same okay that's quite a hard so break yeah <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it's difficult it you know yeah and, um, like you know bluebell green yeah like when i see it i'm like i, I know yeah. it but yeah you don't want people going well that's all you do yeah not actually yeah i'm capable of much more yeah exactly and things evolve and change they do and i think that's actually that's what i have you know over the last few years really stuck by my instinct on you know there's definitely been an element of where people have tried to uh, pigeonhole us into we can only do this type of floral design and nothing else and that's what you do so therefore stay in your box and that's what you do and it's actually been making sure that we still do fantastic floral designs mm-hmm. and they're really the heart and soul of the brand but we can also move forward and do ex- you know new exciting things and push our boundaries because that's also like what keeps it alive yes. you know and what keeps me as a designer uh, interested in still doing it and keeps my team still interested in doing it and also what I love about that is it's also what our real true Bluebell Grey customers love because yes. we have and honestly we have so many amazing customers yeah. we do we've got so many amazing customers and I love them like you know I still remember these customers names from the early days when Goodness. I knew every order that came in of and I knew course. every customer name and to still see these people still buying these days honestly Wonderful. it's amazing it's amazing yeah. and there's so many of these customers that, you know value that we push the brand forward and 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 each stage they you know they they come on the journey with us and that that's, that's what's so important yeah you're making memories yeah definitely you know, you're building a legacy yeah that you want to look back and go not just like oh we're such a success like all the people 
yeah, along the way. Definitely. The, these are the things you remember. I know. You know, you like do. when you worked in Lush. Yeah, definitely. You know, the funny moments, the yeah. things that were hard that people got you through. Yeah. These are all part of the story. They are. They're kind of like really pivotal, mm. pivotal points. And yeah, these customers that have, you know, come on that journey, they're the people I do it for. Like totally. I think of them when I'm designing these that new collections. Lovely. I do. I think of them and I think, you know, would they, would they be excited by it and would uh-huh. they love it? And when we opened the shop, um, so when, when did you open the show? Um, just over a year ago now, so, actually. Yeah. What? I know. That's mental. I know. It's beautiful. Yeah, I love it. I feel I've just said that word a million times. I've no idea to say things, but oh my goodness, it's so cool. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I really yeah. do. It's it's been. It's been such an amazing point to get to, you know, 10 years in. Who doesn't want a cool shop? Oh, and it's, 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 it's almost like, it's like you can open your soul to the world. It was such a funny day, the day when we, well, the day before we opened it, there was two kind of like funny things. We'd papered the windows before we opened the shop but like with our kind of pattern to kind of like hint at what was nice. going in there because everyone was kind of speculating you know, what shop's going to go in there. That's and then obviously, the, you know, the fans knew. So people were starting to know, okay, you know, they're, <laughs> they're going in there. So it was it was a really nice thing. So these windows were all papered and we're getting the shop all ready. And, you know, before that point, we'd always been in the studios. We were kind of like hidden. And I remember that day, the day before we opened when we ripped down the paper and I suddenly felt really exposed and I was like oh crap nobody used to come in yeah it's like oh my goodness I don't know if I'm ready for this and it was like that kind of moment of like we were suddenly open to the world yeah. you know and we were suddenly people could see us and they could see into our windows and you know we're here now and at that point I would guess you were taking on another member of staff at yeah least. yeah yeah we were taking on some shop staff yeah. they are such a huge part of the business I could not do it without them yeah. like I couldn't like, and have you just trusted your gut in terms of the hiring of the of people yeah very much so I mean don't get me wrong over the years obviously there's a couple of bad <laughs> bad ones that come along but most of my team have been with me for a really long time and I just I love them like I love them I trust them they have blue buggery in their heart and so mm. you know they know it inside out they love it and we have so much fun and I value them like I really do you know I value their input and you know, a big part of how I've kind of managed my team over the years, I do give them, you know, freedom as well. Like, I really mm. believe that. And the ones that are in the creative team with me, like, we're so in tune with each other. It's actually crazy. Like, it's so funny. If they've been working on something and then I'll kind of go and we'll, we'll look at it all together and I'll say, I think that leaf is just a little bit too loosey. She's like my, my head designer and we're just like so in tune. She's like, yeah, I knew you were going to say that. It's too pea green, isn't it? And you see more forage green. I'm like, that's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> we, we know each other so well now, you know, and we're so kind of in tune with each other in terms of, you know, colour and and it's, it's an actual, it's like a joy. Like I love, I love working with them. Like I do, I just love it. It makes me so happy. That's so cool. And I mean, don't get me wrong, obviously like any business, you know, you go through hard times, tough times you know you go through times when you, you know you need to work too much and other times when it eases off a bit and so many of them have been, have been with me you know mm. through thick and thin I just think they're phenomenal yeah. and what they bring to the table is so special and I just really admire them I really That's do I cool. just really admire they obviously them obviously enriches your life yeah I guess it's like you know an artist or MD working in the creative industry there's got a lot of working in your own oh yeah initially mm-hmm. to, uh-huh. to work with somebody yeah. you know, what with this I that's yeah. That. I know, and it's amazing where you can get to as well. Like totally. it's such an exciting process. I love thinking when we're at the start of a season, uh-huh. where are we going to go with this? You know, what it's are we going to come journey. up with in the end? It's a journey, and it's so exciting. You know, you you start with blank pieces of paper because mm-hmm. we really do. Like we, we we design everything ourselves. Like you know, so we paint and design everything That's ourselves. So cool. All our research that we do is first-hand research and we yeah, travel. Yeah, I saw your Instagram yeah. the other day here. It was in southern Spain? Yeah, it was Alicante we'd gone to in Spain. Beautiful. It was gorgeous. It's it's. We always start generally with travel. That's always usually the starting point for a collection. Sometimes we go somewhere exotic and sometimes it could just be a botanic garden Aye. down the road. And, you know, it just depends on, on what we're feeling. And when we go to these places, like, I never put much pressure on it, if that makes sense. You know, I always take, like, a sketchbook and mm-hmm. some paints and things. And, but it's not about filling your itinerary and doing this, 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 and this. It's just absorbing. It's just enjoying. It's just like being there, and, just being there and taking it all in and just catching the vibe of what it's all about and taking photographs. And yeah, it's a really important part of mm. what we do. It's also hard. I bet. <laughs> like that is, but it's because you care. Yeah. You're passionate about it. Yeah. You're not going to take a quick road. Yeah, exactly. There's no quick road to it, no. Yeah. No, there's really not. It's, it's 
time consuming and you know it's not the easy route <laughs> that's no. for sure it's not the easy route it's the most it's a really exciting part of it mm. and it's it's something that i still love i still get excited I don't up talking about yeah it. when i see a blank piece of paper like i love it i love the anticipation of you know what can what can come from this the thing that i really want to do is a kids collection like that's yes. definitely my next plan and i'd kind of planned to try and do it before I went off and had my most recent baby but it just didn't quite work out time-wise before that there's too much to do but I really want to a kids collection I'd love to do kids clothing and interiors I'd really cool. love to do both of those and they're I think the one of the real things that I've always hankered after doing and I'd love to that's the one thing left really that I think I'd love to, to do that. that. I need to do that. Mm. I guess now being a mum. Yeah, yeah. You've got that insider knowledge. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and I think that's obviously, you know, they've kind of opened my eyes to that world and I can see a kind of space that I feel like we could fill in that world. So that's the thing that's kind of exciting me at the moment mm. of thinking we could we could do that. I've always got something going on in my head though. There's always something that I'm kind of brewing and thinking about. <laughs> and sometimes when I go in and I'm telling the guys, I've been thinking, they're like, okay, what have you been thinking? (laughs) Right. (laughs) All systems go. All systems go, yeah. And I have to say, I'd love to do a clothing collab with somebody as well, Mm. because over the years, so many people have asked, you know, about the fabrics for clothes, and a lot of people maybe buy the fabric and make it into clothes, but it's not actually dressmaking fabric. Got you. So I'd either love to make dressmaking fabric or you know do a clothing collaboration mm, with somebody because nice. I'm not a pattern cutter like yeah. I can't design shapes of clothes I'm mm-hmm. you know I'm a pattern designer so I feel like to really make something like that work you need to work with somebody that did the shapes yeah, and we can do the patterns yeah, yeah. So, that's yeah. nice to have that you know collaboration yeah and, you know just doing something a bit different yeah. that you've not done before we do quite a lot of collaborations and some of them are uh, have been so good mm. you know and and we've just done one with Clever Kombucha. So we've done like a kombucha together and yeah. they've made this amazing, it's called Petals, sort of floral infused kombucha. And yeah, we've done loads of things over the years, actually. There's sometimes I even forget all the different things we've done, <laughs> but we've, we've done lots of great collaborations over the years and cool things. And uh, yeah, it's nice as well. Something you like to do something slightly outside your norm and some and something that we wouldn't necessarily know how to mm-hmm. do ourselves. Yeah. So that's something for collaborations. Yeah, pushing yourself out of your comfort exactly. zone. Just yeah. resting on your laurels. Well, we know what works. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah, yeah. We'll just kind of reinvent the wheel. Yeah, and kind it keeps of, it all fresh. And, yeah, uh-huh. mm-hmm. I get you out your bed in the morning and excited to yeah. eat because... Sometimes it's hard just that looking at the blank piece of paper. And yeah, going, yeah. What am I doing? Yeah. You know, there's plenty of times where oh, I want to photograph something. And I'm like, today is not the day. I know, <laughs> and you do. I mean, that's just part of having a business. Isn't it? I mean, you definitely. I mean, we we have hard days. You know, mm. obviously the business is you know looks so beautiful from the outside, but like any business, you know, we have we have hard. It's hard work. It's hard work you know, we've hard days, and ultimately, what we need to keep the business going is to rebuild it by the product and. There's definitely some days where I get and I'm just like, oh my goodness, this is so hard. How can I possibly go from sorting out this problem to turning my hand to painting? I've got pressure to create a new collection and I just need to go from, you know, one hour doing that and then the next hour doing that. And that's something that's definitely, you know, that's tricky, you know, yeah. trying to switch your head that quickly. And I think it's important that you're being honest about that because anyone listening who's any mm. stage of business or thinking about it, mm-hmm. like it's hard yeah. and you have to be able to master it. And all the things that you did initially, all the things you had to figure out or how to yeah, yeah. post parcels, and all, yeah. you're still having to do that. Oh, absolutely. Ten years down the line. I mean, I would definitely say having a business is a constant problem solving exercise. Every day we are solving problems you know every day something comes out of the woodwork and is thrown at you and you know you're firefighting ultimately you know you're firefighting problem after problem that's getting thrown in your direction and I try and be really honest about that as well because I think that's something that I hope people want to hear as well like the honest and the real side of it rather than just obviously there's the beautiful lovely side to it it's just floating along along. yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) exactly exactly and you have a family and you have a life outside of the brand yeah i guess that kind of work life we're calling it a blend now yeah i think that's the that's the word that gets used now (laughs) heard that in many of podcasts yeah and i definitely don't think i've got all the answers to that as well you know when i remember when i had my first baby it was really hard, you know. Mm. You know when you're pregnant and you don't really know what it's going to be like when this baby actually arrives. Oh, yeah. And up until that point, the business was my baby, and you know I was terrified. And I mean terrified, like I was really stressed out of having to take some, you know, step away from it, not being able to concentrate on it, just thinking, is it going to survive? Mm-hmm. You know. And also, there was a huge amount of external pressure from various different mm-hmm. sources of yeah. people that we worked with. You know, and I would hear people saying, oh, they were saying, you know, how is she going to cope? And, you know, when you're hearing things like that, you're starting to think, oh, my goodness, you know. So I definitely, with my first baby, 
I remember he was three weeks old and being in a meeting with him, you know, like mm-hmm. crying and it was crazy. You that's know, I shouldn't, sad. I shouldn't have done that. You know, it was, on. it was full on. And, and in all honesty, you know, like however many years down the line, third baby in, like I would never advise doing that. Like no. it's not, it's not the right thing to do. Yeah. And it's, and but it's not. just like you're saying firefighting at the same time. Exactly. Doing what you think's right. Doing what you think is right. Yeah. And it was the same even. I only had 17 months between my first two babies. So you know there wasn't really a lot of time so when I had my second one again you know there was you know that kind of like pressure and it's so difficult you know especially if you're trying to like feed the baby yourself and you're um (laughs) having to go to meetings and things and we were selling a lot internationally so therefore these people put that pressure on you and they don't understand no they don't care they're not in your life they're not in your life they don't know that you've got two tiny little boys at home and so you know when they say you need to come to the other side of the world like you know, like, hold on yeah, yeah. I'll just <laughs> drop everything yeah. and go. And it was there was definitely mm. a few a couple of years when my second was really young where I just felt I was really just travelling too much and it was honestly all becoming too much. Mm-hmm. Like it actually was. It was yeah. really just all becoming too much. And I was struggling, you know, to like hold it all mm-hmm. together. So about two years ago I kind of thought, you know what, I actually just need to just take this down a notch. It's not sustainable the way it was. So I basically just said I'm not going to travel unless it's like super super mm-hmm. urgent you know and um, that did make a big difference you know and yeah. sort of just people paying just back have to deal with it. yeah that's it people just cope yeah but you think oh, I'll say this and it'll be like a big you know deal and you're like yeah. actually sometimes you just have to say it like it is and yeah. people just respect it yeah so yeah a couple of years ago I thought no I really need to just like peer back the traveling and that's made a big difference actually and that's a big part of why I wanted the shop yeah you know, you because that base. base and it grounds us and it gives us, you know, this like real physical presence here. Yes. And yeah, that was a big part of why the shop was something that I really wanted to do to kind of anchor me back into Lovely. Glasgow. So Lovely. Yeah. You're totally nailing it. Oh, no. You're <laughs> totally nailing it. Oh, my goodness. No, I promise you, I'm definitely not nailing life. Well, it, you're doing a good job of the plate spinning, oh. I tell you. <laughs> I could have probably chosen easier routes to do all this for sure. I could definitely have chosen easier routes. But what a legacy for your ki- your kids yeah. as well. You know, are they are they showing signs of being interested? Yeah, in art? do you know they are. There's definitely. I mean, I think the funny thing about them as well is they've obviously grown up in this really colourful house and stuff. So they just think it's all normal. And yes. I love that my boys aren't put off by pink. Like we've got mm. a pink sofa. I've got pink tails yes. in the hallway. So they're just like, yeah, pink. You know, it's just a colour. And I, I love that they just is. think it's a colour. You know, and they mm. don't have kind of connotations about it. I always, there's a few wee things. I always remember my little boy, my oldest boy, Archie. I remember when he was about 19 months of age, he has definitely got some kind of creative colour thing okay. going on. And he basically managed to like work out, this sounds convoluted, I don't even know if it'll make sense. We were reading a book and it was a Thomas the Tank Engine book, mm-hmm. but there was like a yellow shed in it. And this yellow shed just happened to be exactly the same tone of yellow as Peppa Pig's house. Right. <laughs> and he pointed to it, and we weren't, so it wasn't a Peppa Pig book, it was a uh-huh. Thomas book, but the same colour yellow had been used. Mm. And he pointed to it, and he was like, Peppa's house. And I'm like, wow, you're 19 months old, clever, and yeah, you know totally a tone of yellow. <laughs> it's like, oh my goodness. You're right. Yeah, it made me laugh. And I remember uh-huh. when we moved into this house as well, he was 11 months old, and when he was in bed at night, he would be doing things, you know, so I'd maybe put a couple of pictures up. I'd get him out of his cot in the morning and he would notice what I'd put up and he'd be like pointing going oh, and I'm going yes. yes how did you know I put that picture up last night That's I was lovely. like wow it's so sweet oh he's I know. in tune he's really in tune and my other little boy Ted he is very creative he's like a kind of like little kind of I don't know I want to call him like a little woodland nymph or something <laughs> and I remember when he was about two as well one day looked outside and he'd taken himself self off got a pear tree out in the garden and he was sitting under the pear tree mm-hmm. drawing <laughs> honestly I was like my heart was just exploding I was oh my goodness so they're definitely they're definitely I think I've got kind of whether or not they will or not I've never wanted to kind of like no you, you don't want to force it and push yeah. it but if that's the kind of route they want to go down mm-hmm. and I think just creativity like you being creative and, and yeah. having your own brand and stuff like that will rub off in them yeah some way she performed just that being creative, making things, making a mess. Yeah, like, just, oh, I've always let them make a mess. Hands, yeah. like not stuck in front of a screen. Yeah, you know, like yeah. get, getting out. Yeah, playing with stuff, making stuff. Oh, definitely. Stuff. I always, where we're sitting just now, I've always got paints yes, and, and pens and paper sitting there for them. So whenever they want to do something, it's right there. Yeah. I really believe in giving kids that freedom as well to like 
you know, be who they are and what and what interests them, and you know, and just sort of with some gentle encouragement and nurturing, yes. letting them find you know Very what they want so. to do. We're going to move on to I call the thingamabobs. These are totally okay. random questions for you, right? Okay. First one. I'm excited. Is it roasted or toasted cheese? Toasted. <gasps> Definitely Is toasted. It? Yeah. Okay. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. What would your mastermind specialist subject be? Oh my goodness. That's a good question. <laughs> I think colour would be pretty high up there, actually. Yes. I think colour would be definitely... Actually, yeah, I think I'd go with colour. You yeah. know all the colours. Yeah, know all the colours. I'll you go would with colour. like, that is Thomas the Tank Engine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's his <laughs> yeah, specific we'll shade of blue. Yeah, I would definitely... I'd go with colour, yeah. <laughs> Loving it. Do you have a favourite quote or mantra? Yeah, do you know, I do, actually, and... Uh, and I actually have it printed up in my studio work and it's Have Courage and Be Kind. It's from, you know, the Cinderella film. Yes. And I love it. And I love kind of love this from Cinderella as well. But I actually always think it's such a good one. And I always want my, my children to know that one as well. You that's know, lovely. Have Courage and Be Kind. That's definitely what I... That's my mantra, for sure. That is a great mm-hmm. mantra. Whose house would you love to have a nosy round? <sighs> The interior designer, two interior designers, mm-hmm. Anna Spiro, okay. an amazing Australian interior designer who's just so incredible with pattern and colour, and another interior designer called Kit Kemp, and she runs the uh, chain of hotels called the Firmdale Hotels, oh, and her interiors it. are unbelievable. Are so they? definitely, those two interior designers, I would love to have a note around their well, houses. Well, end up falling down. Yeah, yeah, you're falling down. You totally will. Oh, you absolutely bravo. will. You definitely oh, no. will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, you'll fall down a, oh, no. a Pinterest rabbit hole. Decorate some other room in my house now. <laughs> um, dream holiday? Oh. Could be one that you've already been on or one that you would like to go on. Mm-hmm. I love the Mediterranean. Yes. I really do. And I love like kind of quite sleepy places in the Mediterranean. So ideally, I think what my dream holiday would be a boat trip, a really relaxed boat trip, like round some Mediterranean, you know, Greek islands, like stopping off at some little tavernas. The kids, my husband. I'd take my mum and dad as well because they're so fun to go on holiday yes, with. Yeah. Are they? Thank yeah. You. So I'd take my mum and dad, my husband, and the kids, and we'd go on a boat trip around the Greek Islands. I think that would be yeah, so that's dream holiday. Business. Yeah. Who or what makes you laugh? My husband every single day, right? and my kids honestly. But my husband, he's got a really funny sense of humour. Okay. Got, he makes me laugh every day. He really does, and I still say to him every day, "You make me laugh every day." He's so funny, and my kids. For sure, yes. they make me laugh. The shenanigans those boys get up to. The little baby obviously is too young for all that now. So she doesn't quite yet. But my boys, oh my goodness, do those boys make me laugh with the things that they come up with. So yeah, definitely, every day. And my last question, I do ask everybody this, um, is what is your favourite Scottish word or phrase? Now, I thought about this. Oh, did you? I did, I thought. You've done your homework? I did, because I, th- I, I was listening to Wendy's. I know this story, um, lots of people do, but I'm guessing some people don't. Yeah. So, Wendy, who was on my podcast, who has the blog, Thank Fifi, yeah. it's named after you. Yeah. <laughs> you are the Fifi. Yeah. How cool is that? I know, it's so funny, isn't God, it? God, you're just inspiring everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I still remember as well, we were, it was a ca- the cafe we were sitting outside down in Finiston and we were having right. that conversation, and it was so lovely, because you know she went off and basically worked really hard with her husband you know on the blog and the mm. website and she said to me one day she was like oh come round you know I've got something to show you about the blog and I didn't even imagine right. that's what it was going to be and then she was like this is the name I'm going to call it Thank Fifi and it's such a cool name isn't it? It's, it's, so it's cool. such a cool name. I was like I mean she probably gets asked this all the time but I was like do people think you're Fifi and she's like yeah but I don't yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's amazing isn't yeah, she honestly. She is. Well that's why I said to her when, when, when we were having that conversation I was like eh, you're the most stylish person I know so like you've got to do this uh-huh. like you're super stylish I mean mm-hmm. that has always been in her she has always been amazingly super stylish creative she's always been fantastic at writing I was like mm-hmm. it's so obvious this yeah, is what you should do. do yeah it's really fantastic it's still my favorite blog yes. and she's still my favorite Instagram to follow of course and, yeah. and like you're saying like be courageous and be kind yeah. like that's clearly where that you know how, where, how she's got to where she is as well definitely you know and the whole being kind thing is a massive thing for me like yeah that. me too it's huge and the whole paying it forward and just yeah, yeah. be kind like yeah. the amount of people that have been kind like yourself yeah 
to say I am coming oh. to your podcast. This is a total passion project for me. It's a hobby that it's opened a whole new community to mm-hmm. me. I'm getting to meet really nice people like you who are just so welcoming. I'm going, ah, I'll do that. This does not benefit <gasps> you whatsoever. You don't need but this. It's an amazing podcast, and I love doing that. I, I think the thing is as well. Sometimes, like if you can do something that helps somebody, I'm such a believer in it. Mm. And my mum and dad are incredibly kind people. How are they? So kind, honestly, they are, and and that's kind of what I grew up with. And their kindness is, it's I think it's the best thing they ever gave me yeah. I knew I wanted to make a kind business I'd worked for a business that was not kind and you know I didn't want people to be treated badly I hate people being shouted at and sworn at and I always swore when I set up this business so that was gonna not going to be me I'm going to treat people with kindness and respect and I'm going to be fair and it's still like the absolute core of what and I do that's, yeah that's essential yeah I it really is the longevity yeah because this world has a lot of good in it it does and it's getting overshadowed definitely by all the nonsense that's yeah. going on so if you can just keep that kindness that's going that's it I think that's all we can do you know mm-hmm. as individuals if you can just exactly keep that kindness going and yeah yeah and it's yeah that's been amazing it's been so nice to meet you I've it loved it it's been so nice it's been so, so what's good. your favourite Scottish word of oh my goodness oh yeah that's <laughs> James me this is what I do I interrupt everybody <laughs> I was thinking about this word and I was thinking oh my goodness I hope it is actually a real word because sometimes my mum is a Gaelic speaker and is sometimes she? yeah cool. so sometimes like there's words that she has and I'm like I don't know if that's like a real word or if it's just like a word that my mum told us <laughs> we're going up. but the word that I totally love is buruch do you know what a buruch is? No. Oh my goodness. I love like... this. It's like a bit education. <laughs> buruch is like a mess. You know, if, like, if you get yourself, oh, he's in a real buruch today. <gasps> it's like, you know, you've got yourself in a kind of like a, a oh, bit a of fuffle. a kerfuffle and a kind of like, you know, when you're all kind of like, oh, I'm in such a, a buruch. buruch. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So that's a word that we use Nobody quite a lot. Nobody said that. Oh. So that's cool. Good. You're totally unique. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying it's a new word. Just let's go with yeah. that. Like, if your mum is it. I know. I'll it, check with her. We'll just phone her. I'm just, <laughs> just check. <laughs> Listen, it's been an absolute oh, so joy. Good. Thank you so much Thank for coming so to much. your beautiful home and being so so welcome and Aww. so kind. Oh, and your energy, your spirit just totally oozes out you. Oh, thank like, you. Like as soon as you opened the door, I was like, yeah, <laughs> she's she's brown and brave. Oh, that's really <laughs> thank lovely. you so much. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Brawn and the Brave, a podcast about people and their passions. Join us next time for more insight and inspiration from my wonderful guests. Bye for now.